Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, August 11th, and today Tara Palmieri is here to discuss the political fallout from the FBI's stunning search of Mar-a-Lago this week. Will it actually help Donald Trump in a potential Republican primary fight against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis? And later, Tina Wynn tells us about Liz Cheney's next moves after her expected loss in Wyoming's GOP primary, which is just days away. We hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for Powers That Be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy thursday puck listeners i'm joined today by tara palmieri who writes the washington mall for us here at puck how you doing tara happy to have you back peter thank you um despite you being a Boots on the ground, Washington correspondent. All eyes in politics this week are on Mar-a-Lago, right. <laughs> the state of Florida. You have covered, man, every angle of the Trump administration since the very beginning. I want to get to like the political fallout of this. Even the best legal DOJ correspondents don't know everything that's going on, what the FBI was doing, raiding Mar-a-Lago, what investigation this is related to. Much of America might be over Donald Trump. Independent voters might hate Donald Trump, mm-hmm. whatever. But in the Republican primary if there is one, this gives Trump like a a, a bit of a steroid boost, doesn't it? I mean, like everyone's talking about Trump all of a sudden again, and he is suddenly pointing fingers at Biden and the deep state. And it gives all of his allies and conservative media a shot of monster energy. They get to talk about (laughs) Donald Trump all day long now, right? Absolutely. That's a good way of putting it, a shot of monster energy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I think there was a feeling that Trump was becoming like a bit irrelevant. He may have truth social and 
he can do some endorsements in red states and swing the the polls. But like on on the whole, I think a lot of people are really kind of moving past him. Saw him as a liability, Jan 6. It's like, okay. And then all of a sudden he gets a huge boost among the MAGA faithful and even just among Republicans. Like that was the kind of amazing thing about it was like the resounding support he got from across the party. Asia Hutchinson, Kevin McCarthy, like, you know, eventually Mike Mitch Pence. McConnell, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Everyone's like bear hugging Trump saying like, this is a regime. This is a, you know, and it's kind of got like everyone, like everyone is very excited. Everyone thinks that he's suddenly, you know, on steroids in terms of his campaign. And it would be really hard to out Trump Trump right now. And anyone who is trying to do that or thinking about ways to show that they're more MAGA than him, it's almost impossible when you've had a raid on your home during a Democratic administration, right? Like there's nothing better. And everyone's that I've been working on this story for a while about Ron DeSantis and how he's trying to out Trump Trump. And everyone's like, why are you even talking about him? Like, I think he's done. This is what you've been hearing in the last few days, you mean? Oh, yeah. To quote someone who used to work for DeSantis, DeSantis 2024 might have died on the Palm Beach courtroom floor. And this whole time, DeSantis's team has been trying to kind of pick off some blue check mark MAGA celebrities off of Trump and get them onto Team DeSantis. And one of the wedge issues they've seen is that they see that Ron DeSantis has been stronger on the vax issue, masking, school closures. They can always say, you know, mm-hmm. Fauci worked for Trump. He was the one with the shutdowns. He pushed the vax. And you can see Trump has sort of distanced himself from that issue as well. And that was going to be a major wedge issue to show that Ron DeSantis is more hardcore than Trump, right? How can you be more hardcore than than Trump right now. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. This is like a MAGA dream bubble of excitement that they're all having right now, Uh, at least people close to Trump. But then think about it. The guy could get indicted, right? I mean, this comes after um, some of his closest aides, like Mark Short, who was the chief of staff to the vice president in in Trump's inner circle, his former lawyer, Pat Cipollone, all are testifying for the Justice Department. Then there is a raid okay, maybe they know what they're looking for now. And that's the difference. And this is all irrelevant. And you can think Trump, this is the second coming of Trump because of this. But you you could end up with a DeSantis anyway, or there could actually be a Republican primary. I I think you're right. The oxygen right now is Trump is fully occupying the mindshare of the Republican Party and the media right now. But one thing I want you to parse out for me real quick is like, you you said the January 6th hearing kind of, took the shine of Trump a little bit to the extent there was a shine uh, on the turd um, for independent voters, but for Republicans too, like why did the January 6th hearings put a dent in Trump 2024 versus why this FBI raid seems to be helping him with Republicans? I mean, like what's the difference between those two things? Because I think you're right. I think, okay, so with Jan 6th, Someone said it was like he was a knife that was just falling downwards, right? And it showed that he was erratic. He had major baggage. He put, you know, the priorities of himself over the country. I mean, he was all of it. I mean, he had former staffers coming out saying that he was going to try to drive down to the Capitol. And it just really pinned him as the center of all of this. And it and it really just made him seem like... It kind of made DeSantis seem like a more sane option to Trump or... You get the Trump without the baggage, right? Somebody said to me, is the best thing that could have happened 
since January 6th for him. Like in the primary, Ron DeSantis could have said, I'm the less crazy Trump. I'm the new, improved, better version of Trump, but I'm still Trump. You know, I'm Trump. I'm Trumpier than Trump. He could try to do that on the COVID and his handling of it. But now it just feels like this is a really big thing for the movement. The news is finally on Trump. You know, he was a bit fading out of consciousness. It was just kind of like, God, this guy, should we really give him the keys when he's clearly, you know, going to derail everything we're working on? And now even baby boomers are like, it's a massacre. It's a raid. Like they're going after him. It's political. He's the martyr. It's the witch hunt. It's the, it is, I guess, the distillation of the witch hunt. Like, is there anything more aggressive than having a raid on your home? No. And like, first of all, everyone's calling this unprecedented. Uh, it is unprecedented for a uh, American president to refuse to leave office. It is unprecedented for a, an American president to tweet out classified information. It is unprecedented for a, a variety of reasons uh, that Trump caused. Right, right. But I think like, what you're saying about DeSantis, who is, you know, you could say where Trump was on the sidelines or, you know, out of the game. DeSantis was in the game. He's governing. Exactly. He's passing bills. He's doing stuff. He's like moving the ball forward and in the news every day because of that. Whereas Trump was just kind of out of the picture. And now after this raid, he once again has something to fight against. He's in the fight. Exactly, exactly. And the fight against the government and the deep state and Biden and the MAGA Republican Party, at least, is totally bereft of ideology at this point, other than appointing judges. But one of the things that animates them is just whataboutism. Like, what about Hillary Clinton? What about Hunter Biden? And mm -hmm. like, this plays into that whole thing too, you know? And like, it just gives Fox talkers more ammo um, to talk about the elites and the double standards and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Like he drained the swamp, big government. It's everything, uh, the corruption. And I think a lot of people are just saying that this, like I've heard people say that it's Santa's thing is dead. Any good consultant. Being, I don't believe uh, that. Totally. I, I, I know that's like absurd. And okay. There's also a lot of people in Republican politics, by the way, who have been burned by DeSantis for what it's worth. Yeah. But it's just going to be hard. Like, it's hard to go up against a guy who has kind of gotten myth-like status through this. Obviously, Tara, we're talking about the Mar-a-Lago raid, whatever investigation it's related to in relation to 2024. Um, there is, you know, it seems like there's a couple camps inside Trump world where some people are telling him, use this as a springboard. Absolutely. To announce for president mm -hmm. now. Right. And like a bunch of people have been reporting on this over the last few months that Trump, some people are trying to build an operation for him this summer to announce even before the midterms for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, Biden is at his weakest right now, box out any Republican challengers. If you're a federal candidate, all of a sudden that makes you perhaps more immune to federal or state charges or subpoenas or, or whatever the investigations are, Georgia, New York, FBI, whatever. What's... Trump world's thinking right now. Like, is he going to jump in the race before Labor Day here? Like, what's going to happen? For the raid, I was hearing September. At first, it was like, to try to stop him from announcing. Like, he's just going to get giddy and do it. Now, I think that there's a feeling of he's already sort of announced by saying he's going to run. So why don't you just run the campaign and not have to deal with the FEC regulations that change when you become a federal government candidate? I think the fact that there is this sort of momentum right now and perhaps the legal issues that are coming up, it might make more sense to announce before the midterms, although like most rank and file Republicans probably wouldn't really want him to announce because they want to turn this into a referendum on Biden and not 
inject a new element into this race because whenever Trump is a part of a race, even his midterms were like one of the highest turnout midterm in 2018, right? When he runs for re-election 2020, it's like it just increases voter turnout on both sides. I think it's a bozo move. Like, I think he yeah. would be so stupid to announce now. Yeah, why be a candidate for longer than rather than shorter, right? Totally. I mean, like people, he has never improved his standing with the American public going back to 2015. He's only declined. This was true with Hillary back, you know, before she announced in 2015. Also, like when you're out of the spotlight, you're sort of like, this is less true of Trump because he's so unpopular, but like there's a little more fondness. You forget about the rough spots. You're like, okay, like whatever. Once you're in the arena, once you're campaigning, people become a little tired of you. They start to look for more options. The opposite move to me is the move, which is let Ron, let all the other people jump in and like get exposed to the heat of the media, trip up, dare them to attack Donald Trump, see what happens. And then like Trump can, he's got unlimited fundraising abilities. He can wait until two weeks before the Iowa caucuses and jump in the race and cut everyone's balls off. Like, right. like I just don't understand, like absence makes the heart grow fonder, maybe in Trump's case, but like, getting back in now and we have to like endure you for two more years isn't going to make him more popular with anybody. I also think he has like insane name recognition and like the whole point of getting in early would be to build your name rack, right? You can only mess it up if you're a candidate for longer rather than shorter. What I had heard was he was feeling a lot of anxiety about how much money Ron DeSantis is raising and how he's tapping into his donor network, into his supporter network. He thinks if he just like announces that'll kind of end that, especially before Ron runs for re-election and he can't really go up against Trump, then he becomes the inevitable. DeSantis is raising governor's money. Like he can't transfer that up to a federal you campaign. You can't. Like, I, yeah. like Trump is just like, he's so paranoid. Yeah. I also feel like the people who want him to run want him to run so they can like get their contracts, get their like media buying deals, like get their fundraising. Like, I just feel like there's like the consultants around him who are like, holy shit, like we got to get some money out of this guy before totally. <laughs> he gets indicted. No, you're right. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely true. I think Trump also wants to run because he likes being in the center of attention and he's felt for a while that he's been out of the spotlight. So that gets him in there too. Uh, I do think though that like DeSantis was really weighing on him for a while. Like he's always asking people like, what's the crowd like? Did they cheer for DeSantis the way they cheered for me? Like he's really obsessed with this. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think he thought if I get in there first, like I can kind of get rid of, get him out of the way. And I think he's he's very nervous about money. Trump doesn't like to spend his own money, right? We know that. And so to see someone who can sort of work the donor class is also kind of freaking him out a bit. So there's one more reason why he wants to announce early and before the midterms. All the people that he just endorsed in the midterms, they will then go on to say on their campaign trail that they're backing Trump. So it won't be a question of Trump for someone else. It would just be a chorus of endorsements. And he likes that idea as well. No, that makes sense. And he's going to have so many of those. It's going to be interesting to see like who breaks ranks if it is a Trump-DeSantis primary and goes with DeSantis. I mean, remember back in 2008 when Ted Kennedy came out for Obama and like John Lewis flipped from Hillary to Obama. Like that was a huge deal mm -hmm. to break with the establishment. Um, this, this feels like it'd be even more, uh, more dramatic, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Some people already have. It's interesting because DeSantis' staff is definitely working on the influencer blue check MAGA types, but like, I don't know that he's got the thing that Trump has where he'll just pick up the phone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, no, that's the thing. Like DeSantis and Tina and I talked about this on a recent pod, like, DeSantis is not very 
charismatic. He doesn't like to socialize. He's not like cracking jokes. He's a very serious dude and, and way smarter than the media gives him credit for. But he's not like as jocular and, and uh, you know, social as, as Trump is. You're right. Like Trump will pick up a phone call from anybody. Yeah, exactly. Like you've, you've called Trump before and he's picked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like DeSantis wouldn't do that. <laughs> Should we call, should we try? Well, let's, next podcast, we'll call Trump and then we'll call we'll DeSantis and then yeah. see who answers. <laughs> good. Uh, I love that. We do have good sources. Um, all right, Tara, thank you so much. Thank you. When we come back, we'll hear from Tina Wynn with the inside scoop on Liz Cheney, who might be facing political doom next Tuesday in Wyoming. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back. I'm Ben Landy here with Tina Wynn. Obviously, the GOP has been frothing at the mouth over this FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, which is the big news dominating the headlines the past day or so. But I also wanted to talk to you, Tina, about some news on the opposite end of the GOP political spectrum, which is what is going on in Wyoming with Liz Cheney. Oh, boy. Um, So Liz Cheney, scion of Dick Cheney, formerly the number three ranked member of the Republican caucus in the House of Representatives. She has burned her bridges. She has cast her boats into the sea. She has basically abandoned the now extremely Trumpy Republican Party in exchange for you know, standing up, doing what she believes is the right thing and serving on the January 6th committee. That hasn't really won her a lot of favors back in Wyoming, which she represents. She is now extremely likely to lose a primary race against this challenger, Harriet Hagerman, who's been endorsed by Trump. It's been more of a revenge slash grudge match against Cheney for, one, having voted to impeach Trump two, serving on the January 6th committee, and three, just being a very anti-Trump voice. Uh, Like when you think Republican who opposes Donald Trump, she's literally the last one in the House. I mean, there are actually more, there seem to be more Republicans who voted for impeachment who are losing their seats left and right, but she's sort of the last defiant one, as it were. Yeah, Liz Cheney clearly has obvious moral convictions in terms of deciding to be a major piece of the January 6th commission, working with Democrats on that. She has strong feelings about the direction of the party and the fact that it should not be led by Donald Trump. But not to take anything away from that, I'm curious to delve into the sort of cynical inside conversation about what she wants out of all of this. Because obviously, she wants to stay in politics. She seems to be positioning herself to remain an active voice in the direction of the conservative movement. But she doesn't have a role in Congress anymore after November. Is the speculation real that she could mount a presidential run of her own? Absolutely. Like, she's got maybe about $7.4 million left in cash on hand that she didn't spend on her race. 
And people are like, okay, that's a big war chest. What are you going to do with that, Liz? She may have lost her seat in Congress, but she's been clear in saying that if the price she has to pay for standing up to her convictions is losing a seat in Congress, she's okay with that. And as one of her allies actually told me recently, whatever she does next, it will be with the express purpose of making sure that Donald Trump does not get the White House. Now, what that looks like is pretty unclear right now. Like, does she start a nonprofit group that's devoted to making sure that democracy remains intact? Does she run for president so she has the media platform every day to be like, Donald Trump is bad, don't vote for him? I have no idea whether that she could actually win against Donald Trump. That would be something. But that would definitely give her visibility, a platform, and a constant chance to make this case. Well, it just underscores how much the election denialism or the flirtation with election denialism is going to be a wedge issue for Republicans between the majority of the party at this point and a smaller group of moderates and independents who are really, really deeply uncomfortable with that. Because Cheney herself voted with Trump more than 90% of the time. I mean, she is just about as conservative as it gets. But if she's drawing the line saying she would not support DeSantis because he is too close to Trump in sort of a characteristic way, if not on a policy level, that to me speaks volumes about the direction all of this is going. Yeah, and I genuinely think that she is willing to be a martyr for this cause. And whether that's going to work out or not, it's far too early to say, but I think it's pretty clear that whatever she does next, it will be with the express intent of keeping Trump out of the White House. Thanks for stopping by and we'll watch out for more of that on Puck.News. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13.